T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. And a pleasant good morning and welcome into Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He, of course, is Bruce Levine. We're going to be here until 11 o'clock. And, Bruce, getting a little tired of this weather. I mean, is spring ever, ever really going to come to Chicago? No, this is spring. Oh, God. <laughs> this is spring weather. This is Chicago baseball weather in April and May. And, you know, make sure you have three coats in the car, you know, gloves if you need them, you know. You got them, wear them, as they say. So uh, that is uh, baseball right now. But uh, we have two great hours of baseball talk coming up, David. Thanks for sitting in for Matt Spiegel, who's off this week, normally here. We'll expect Matt back next week, of course. And uh, Inside the Clubhouse, David, brought to you by Max and Benny's in Northbrook, your home for the best food in Chicago. Here's the checklist. The best deli, no doubt. Best restaurant, certainly. The finest bakery on the North Shore without question. Max and Benny's has full dinners from 4 to 9 p.m. seven days a week, featuring all the staples and the freshest whitefish and salmon in the city. The greatest soups warm the body and soul. Spacious party rooms and meeting areas that accommodate 10 to 150 people. Catering is king at Max and Benny's. Check out John at MaxandBenny's.com. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook and uh, Chicago teams. Not too good yesterday. A couple mm-hmm. losses. Cubs uh, didn't look very good after Quintana's first five innings, which were very good. Sixth inning, he gave it up. And uh, that was pretty much the game. It was a seven nothing game, but it was a tale of two different games. Yeah, Bruce. First of all, this hour brought to you by Menard. Save big money at Menard's. Yesterday's game with Quintana, and he gave up the home run to Ryan Braun. And Ryan Braun, you can say what you want about him, but he he has hurt the Cubs on numerous occasions. Quintana pitched well yesterday, but it sort of reminded me of his old White Sox days where he had no offensive support yesterday. Uh, You know, Gonzalez was pretty darn good for Milwaukee. And then they didn't have to go to Josh Hader, which I think is a real feather in their cap from yesterday's game. He'll be well-rested for today, possibly even for tomorrow night's game as well. So the Cubs did lose to Milwaukee 7-0 yesterday. The two teams are now tied for the division lead in the NL Central. We're going to talk about Addison Russell as well. And then the White Sox... You know, they got to within two games of 500 after winning those first two games in Cleveland earlier in the week, but now they've dropped three in a row. And and you know what? I, I give Rick Renteria a lot of credit for keeping this team, you know, as, as, as high up as they are even currently in the standings, but they've been decimated, you know, and their pitching staff, I just, you know, fear, fear, Bruce, that eventually, and we're going to talk to Lucas Giolito, so well, this will be a good question right. for him, but I, I just fear that they just don't have enough pitching to stay in any, any kind well, of contention. 
I contend that uh, the White Sox front office, who are very smart people, know that this team is actually worse than the record. Okay? And I think that's a point to make because of the fact that we know the White Sox fight hard. We know the offense has won some games. The offense has improved. But the, it's all about the starting pitching with the Chicago White Sox. And uh, they've been decimated with injuries. Uh, they have had uh, pitchers who have been inconsistent so far, to say the least. And uh, the the rebuild is going to be dictated not by the Jimenez and the Mancadas and the uh, Roberts. It's going to be dictated by the pitching in that organization. And right now, that's still in development. Giolito coming off his best start, maybe as a Chicago White Sox pitcher, seven shutout innings will join us at 10 o'clock today, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But as Rick Hahn has said from the beginning, maybe of last year, the record is really not what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the progress of the people in the room. And the American League stinks, okay? There are six decent teams in the American League, and then there's nine teams that are all kind of mixed together in a rebuild. And that's something to keep in mind when you're when you're looking at the White Sox and saying, well, they're, they're going to win some of these games, and they're not. the record's not going to be that bad. The key is whether the rebuild is where they want it to be and how soon they'll be a good team. Well, you're certainly right about the pitching. And for me, it's always about starting pitching, whether you're in a rebuild or whether you're trying to win right now. It's always about starting pitching. And the Cubs have gotten pretty good starting pitching. That's why they're in the position that they're in. The White Sox, on the other hand, looking towards you know the near future and the far future, Michael Kopech had the Tommy John. It sure looks like Carlos Rodon is going to have the Tommy John. Dylan Cease, who I'm excited to see at some juncture. I don't know when that's going to be. He's had uh, the Tommy John in the past. Right. Uh, Lopez has been, at times, very dominant, but inconsistent. And I think we can say the same thing about Lucas Giolito yeah. as well. So it always boils down to starting pitching. The White Sox are going to need some good fortune on their side when it comes to that starting pitching. And certainly good fortune means good health. And, uh, you know, Dane Dunning is another one that uh, has, has had the same injury problem. So there's bad luck involved. That's why you have to get 35 to 40 players that you consider all-star ability, you know, in trades, free agency, international signing, all of those things. And you hope 10 of them become good players. You hope five of them are all-stars. You hope one or two of them are future type Hall of Famers. And Bruce, I haven't looked at it. I know you probably have already scoured it for the June amateur draft, which is coming up. And not a lot of pitching. Not Well, that's unfortunate because yeah. I think the White Sox, because they've had so many injuries already to these young pitchers, that if there was a stud, and they're going to be drafting number three overall, that they should look to see who might be that st- top starting pitcher or second uh, top starting and they'll, pitcher. And they'll be tempted to do that. Uh, I think... White Sox, like many teams uh, these days, are they don't go for need. They go for the best player available. Uh, we'll be uh, talking to uh, the White Sox and the Cubs front offices and the scouting directors over the next couple weeks because the June draft is already sneaking up on us, uh, David, June 3rd coming up. Well, it's coming really quickly. I know you also have some thoughts on uh, Addison Russell. We don't want to beat this topic to, you know, to the ground um, but it's still topical right. as of right now. So go ahead. I know you had some thoughts. Well, well, well. You know, I think we'll get involved with that. You know, uh, here a little bit. But uh, again, with with Russell, you know, we were, I was talking to Zach Withers, our you know producer, about this, and he, you know, he's a 
a huge Cub fan. He's has some really cogent thoughts about the team and uh, the idea about David. When will it be fair for Russell or the Cubs to say Edison's been open enough? He's answered these questions for two weeks. Um, he's here. He's contributing. Is this enough for you? How much? How many more times does a new reporter from a different place have to walk in and write the same story? And I think the fans of the team have the right to say when enough is enough. Okay, but from the perspective of Russell and the Cubs, and this is what Zach and I talked about, would it be more prudent now to get get him on every talk show on the radio, every TV show on the radio, and everyone that wants to talk to him in Chicago and nationally, and get this story so out there and his message so out there that uh, they can start to move on to whether he's going to be a contributing baseball player for the Cubs, whether he's going to be a solid citizen uh, that everybody expects him to be and that they move on, whether he's traded or part of the team. But at some juncture, David, don't they just have to say, or doesn't somebody have to say, we don't want this story regurgitated five more times? Yeah, I I would tend to agree with Zach a little bit on this one. Um, I don't think you really want to throw him on every local or national radio show. I mean, you know, I'm sure here and there he might do something, but I I, I don't know. I think at some point, I'm I'm looking for the right word here. I think at some point it's just too much. I think saturating the market with what people are insatiable, insatiable about right now would be the proper thing to do. I mean, get it to the point where all kinds of different groups have their say so where he is out there where his message is seen, where you can see him reacting to questions, where you can hear him act, reacting to questions, and just get it to a point where he can either move on or, you know, fail in the process. Whatever it is, uh, I don't think we can have five more months of asking Addison Russell whether he's considered uh you know rehabilitated or not you know what i don't I just don't think it's going to be five months you know just as far as I'm well, concerned, I, I know as far as i'm concerned i'm i'm done asking about the questions you know now it's baseball i mean i think he's done his penance i think he has addressed the situation on a couple of occasions and like i said i think at some point it's just too much and i don't think the cubs are going to put him in that position nor does he want to be put in that position so you know again i think he he's he said mostly the right things. He said a couple of things that are probably not correct, politically correct or otherwise. I just think at some sto- uh, at some point the story will just die down and now we'll just concentrate on baseball. Let's, That's uh, my listen, opinion. Let's listen to Addison Russell yesterday uh, talking about, a you know, a, there was a, a follow-up story in the Sun-Times by Steve Greenberg uh, two days ago. Russell talking about the fans' right to continue to hear this and, and, and their reaction to it. Everyone's entitled to... Doing, doing whatever they want to do, thinking whatever they want to think, saying whatever they want to say. The reaction to me, I feel like, you know, uh, I have to respect that. Um, my actions are what they are, and I have to be responsible for them. And, uh, you know, again, David, he talks about the fans and their reaction to it. Were you criticizing them or no? No, no. I have nothing but respect for the fans, you know. It's a goal to get the respect of my fans back, you know, of the Cub fans back. So having said that, it's just out of respect for them, you know. Uh, I have nothing but respect for them. I just wish that it could be on different terms, you know. 
and uh, also about hearing the booze and his reaction to it. I just block it out, I switch it to a positive. You know, it's the only thing you can do to be successful. You know, just use it to your advantage. You know, I'm glad I'm out there. I'm happy to be out there. You know, it's it's almost like block everything out and do what you have to do for the team uh, and focus on at the task at hand. David, he uh, also answered the question, does he understand why the fans boo and do they have the right to do it? Do you get how emotional people are about what you were suspended for? Do you understand why they're booing when they boo? And- I totally understand. I totally understand. It's, it's a serious issue. And, you know, what can I do? Get better day by day. You know, that's all I can do. And be the example of, of uh, a person that's trying to make things right. Your reaction? Well, my reaction is that I think in, in all four of those passages there, he said the right thing. Now, did he say possibly the wrong thing to the Sun-Times writer Thursday after uh, the, the first game that he played on Wednesday? Yeah, he, he did. He did. You know, again, if you put him in too many situations, you know, he's going to maybe slip up and say the wrong thing. So I just think enough is enough. He, he's, he's addressed the media in mass not once, but twice already, at least here in, in over the last yes, three he days. Yeah. He, he's done it, you know, at Iowa for what little that's worth. And I just think enough is enough. I just don't think you can keep beating this thing into the ground. That's my opinion. I guess the, the question is uh, from people who do not think that he deserves this chance uh, because of uh, the abuse that he admitted to toward his ex-wife. Uh, that it's never going to be satisfactory. He's in a public trust. He's making five million dollars. Uh, to them, it looks like a slap on the wrist. They don't. They don't think that uh, this is a legitimate rehabilitation. And it's it's all about you know rich people going back to being able to do what they are entitled to do. And I, I guess you're just not going to satisfy everyone when it comes to this. Well, you're never going to satisfy anybody about everything. Period. That's just the way it is. But again. He was punished. It was a 40-game suspension. He he did his time, so to speak. He still has repercussions, not only currently, but going down the road. I don't know what's going on in his personal life, and I really don't care anymore. I just I don't. But he's done his penance. I don't know how else to do that. And if that doesn't satisfy people, so be it. And as long as he keeps his nose clean, figuratively, going forward, then you know hopefully this story will just... Go away. 312-644-6767. That's our number for Inside the Clubhouse. David will read everything he can on the text line. It's 6711, even though he doesn't like to do it. Um, you know, calls them haters, right? Some of those people, right? Yeah, Josh haters. Uh, <laughs> let's let's take a couple of phone calls before we go to our first break. Let's go out to River North and pick it up with Matt. Go ahead, Matt. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, uh, Bruce, I had, I had two questions. The first, you know, you bring up Addison Russell. I never got this answer from anybody. How do his teammates feel about him? Is he well-liked in the locker room? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know the guy personally. To me, that would have a lot of bearing on whether – if they didn't want him around, I don't think he'd be around. I'm I've guessing. Asked, I'm yeah, I've, asked, I've asked extensively around the room, and they all say he still has work to do. He has to prove that he deserves this. Uh, we, so is he well-liked, though? Is he, is is he, he well-liked? Okay, well, that's important, isn't yeah. it? they got to work with him. I mean, I, I – don't I can't answer that. I mean, uh, no, you know, taking I, 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 you know I a poll that. of who I I don't think he was disrespected. I don't I don't think he was not liked. But I think that you're seeing a different Addison Russell being more engaged with his teammates from what I saw from spring training on. 
But is is that is that real or is that phony? I think I think it's uh, him understanding that he needs to be a better him. Well, my other question is, you know, you you always talk about you're the only guy in this town who ever talks about outfield defense, how important it is. And I think it hurts to Eloy. To me, is not a five-tool player. He, he's awful in the outfield. Terrible throwing arm. You think he can get better out there? Even he's worse than Schwarber out there. Well, it's a fair question, Matt. And thanks, thanks, Matt. thanks for your uh, input, David. Um, he's a little clumsy out there. Okay, <laughs> he, um, heard, he hurt himself he, on that play. I see clumsy. him when I get to the ballpark at two o'clock for a seven o'clock game. He's out there working hard with. Uh, Daryl Boston and the other coaches fielding uh, different balls. They're hitting him. You know, he he has his own special time for 20 minutes to half hour every day. So the work he's putting in, I think in this case, you protect him against himself a little bit by DHing him when he first comes back. It does create a, a, a log, a, you know, a jam, you know, as far as with uh, Alonzo and Abreu in that spot, but you know what? Someone else, someone else's uh, development is going to have to wait. These are two veterans. You got to get Jimenez in the lineup every day. And if part of it is if it's a DH, I think it's a good idea. Nobody's told me that's going to be the plan, but I would say that you you try you try to make sure that bats in the lineup every day. Yeah, I think that bat will be in the lineup as long as he's healthy. But I disagree with you. I don't think they're going to DH him. I think they need to know can he play the outfield or not. And uh, yeah, he's not he's not a good outfielder at this point. Listen, Kyle Schwarber was you know has gotten better with time. Uh, he's not going to be one of your all time <laughs> Golden Glove no, guys. No, in but the he's outfield, worked hard at but it. But he's worked hard, and, and I think uh, it's just a guess on my part. And that's a good question that we'll put to Rick Renteria when they come home here as soon as Monday against Cleveland. But uh, my guess is that they'll just leave him out in the outfield. Let's uh, let's let's uh, take a few more phone calls when we come back. Okay. Ryan, Joe, Fred. You are up next on Inside the Clubhouse. We'll continue to talk to you at 312-644-6767, text 6711. He's David. I'm Bruce. It's Inside the Clubhouse. 927, welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. I'm David Schuster. He's Bruce Levine. We have Mike Montgomery of the Cubs coming up very shortly. But right now we want to go out to the phone lines and we start on the south side of the city with Ron. Go ahead, Ron. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, um, Bruce, you, you pointed out that Rick Renteria said it's really not about uh, wins and losses. But he also said at some point in this rebuild process, you have to start winning baseball games. Uh, so it's almost a contradiction. But, you know, guys, I think you can really see at this point, uh, as far as winning Ron, the White Sox, let, let me Ron, let me correct you. It was Rick Hahn that said it's not all necessarily about wins and losses. Okay. So that, okay. that's Thank a different you. dynamic. But but okay. go ahead with your thought. Okay. Um, but I, I think we can say right now that this, as far as the White Sox being in contention, is a lot further away than what we thought it would be. And lastly, Rick Renteria talked about uh, Dylan Clover to pitch yesterday, and he said he really thinks that he will be a mainstay in this rotation. If that's the case, that's a bad rotation. And I know, guys, you, you can't avoid injuries, but but right now, this team, we have to realize all rebuilds are not successful, but for me, it looks like this thing is really plenty of years away as far as the White Sox being competitive. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. And, and you know what, David? Uh, Ron makes a good point. We were talking about that off the air a little bit ourselves, the, the idea that you know these things – 
have a life of their own. But it, all it takes is like three starting pitchers to start being consistent. They have a different take on it. If you have Giolito consistent, if you have Lopez consistent, if you bring Cease up in July and he's consistent, all of a sudden it looks it looks much different. Bullpen guys are important. The young bullpen guys like Hamilton, uh, like some of these other guys, uh, you know, that are coming in and getting the job done. They have to show up. It's it's not an easy process uh, to try to develop and win games. Rick Renneria has to try to win games. He has to be able to allow his young guys and the team to, to have some morale because of the fact that they, they know how to win baseball games at this level. It's not all about development for a manager. It's about winning and developing a winning attitude as well. That's important. You look at Jose Abreu. He's in his sixth year with the White Sox, David. He's not played on a winning team, okay? I mean, do you get comfortable losing? Does it become part and parcel to what you do every day? Not necessarily the fault of the individual, but the circumstance. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, continue with our phone calls. Let's go out to Barrington and Rudy. Go ahead, Rudy. You're on Inside the Clubhouse. You know, guys, something that's been annoying me all week, and all we talked about was you, Darvish, and all the potential, the amount of pitch pitches he has in his arsenal. And unfortunately, the dollar value comes in something in baseball the last 25 years that we have no control over. But, hell, you know, I'm an old guy, and I go way back to when Brickhouse used to talk about Glenn Hobby and Bob Rush having great potential, and they never went on over 500. So my question is, at this point in time, taking the dollar value away and just looking at the guy himself, when are we at this point in time going to say, you know, he's got a lot of potential, but the kid just doesn't have it anymore? Well, uh, that's a good question. Uh, Go back and look at Bob Rush's career, and you'll see after he left the Cubs, he had a lot of success in Milwaukee. So development continues on sometimes until their their later 20s. Uh, you know, the reality, David, is is that being patient for a fan base in a rebuild, you, you get spoiled looking at the Cubs being con- con- contention after four years. You look at uh, Houston being in contention after four years. Uh, that, that just doesn't happen. I remember Kansas City and Pittsburgh – both going almost 20 years without having teams over 500. So that uh, that is more the norm. Uh, just thinking that you're you're going to chop it down and build it up right away doesn't necessarily make you a champion the next year or the year after. All right. Uh, we have, I think, Mike Montgomery on the line here. We're waiting for Zach to punch him up, and indeed we do. So as soon as he punches him up, and here we go. Uh, Mike Montgomery joins us now, Bruce, and I'll let you do the introduction. Right. Uh, Mike Montgomery pitched a great game the other day uh, coming out of the bullpen and saving the Cubs and winning that ball game. Joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. Mike, uh, thanks for taking some time out this morning. Uh, yeah, thanks, Bruce. Uh, no problem. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking at your team right now, uh, obviously yesterday was kind of a, you know, a bummer, but you had a great start from Quintana, and then he gets into the – sixth inning and uh, gives up a couple runs. But uh, are are people getting spoiled about how good the pitching has been for the Chicago Cubs? Uh, there's no doubt we've been really good. And, uh, you know, for me, kind of coming back, and I, I've got a chance to, you know, take a step back and watch, um, you know, didn't go on a couple road trips. So you get a little different perspective on uh, just the team and, and everything else. And, yeah, they've been unbelievable. They've – I think you know maybe su- surprise some people, but in our minds and in those a lot of those these pitchers' minds, fully capable of that. And I mean, 
our rotation has so much experience and knowledge that, yeah, you know, we might not have guys throwing 98 and striking everybody out, but um, I think that's, you know, so overrated in today's game that uh, we just have a, a group of guys that know how to pitch, and, and so it's really, uh, it's really cool to see and, and be a part of. Mike Montgomery joining us on the El Pamonte Ford hotline. El Pamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. Mike, I did the interview with you right after the game on the field. You told uh, me and, and the uh, audience that your curveball was really working that day. And more than anything else, it just seemed like you were so happy to be back pitching at the major league level because it's something that you've missed for a while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, first of all, yeah, thanks. My, my curveball was was really good um, that day. and. Uh, yeah, you know, you're out for over a month, and you get back in Wrigley Field and, you know, have a good outing, team wins. It's it's just a, a very, you know, it's an awesome feeling, you know, and, and no matter what, how long you play this game, you still get those same nerves and when you haven't played it in a while. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was a good day for me and for the team and to, you know, have a, an outing like that the first time back off the, the injured list is is pretty cool and now it's just about you know keeping that momentum going mike uh the perception that uh all 25 guys hang out together and they have dinner every night and they're you know they're buddy buddy and that it's like a high school fraternity or a college fraternity uh is, is that a perception that you know maybe fans have that might be a little bit unrealistic as far as Going to work every day and working with the other twenty-four guys. Yeah, I mean it's probably a little unrealistic. Uh, you obviously want a close knit group and guys that um, are definitely you know friendly or what whatever you want to put it. But yeah, you know maybe in the minor leagues, rookie ball was a little more of that. But you know a lot of guys got families, a lot of guys got kids. Um, but we are around each other every day. It's you know we're just we're not going out and you know, every night after the game and getting drinks and, and food and stuff like that. So uh, it's uh, it really is a, gr- a great group of guys that we got here. And, you know, being here and some of the guys that have been here for the last three, three four years, um, it's just more of a prof- professional environment. And and I think you get along when you're here, and then, you know, you, you try to spend the, as much time with your family when you're not. So that question morphs into, you know, Addison Russell coming back, and uh, you were down there uh, a little bit with him. I think you were at AAA, but you, I think you rehabbed at South Bend too. So um, the idea that he comes back automatically, and what what is the perception in the room of what he has to do except besides being a good teammate, a good person, and, and working hard every day? Yeah, I, I think – you know that's obviously been a difficult situation, and um, from my perspective, it's it's a you know I, as he continues to progress in his you know rehabilitation and just for him to just continue that route. And um, you know I don't want to be someone that really jumps in and you know says one thing or another because you know what it's his it's his life in a lot of ways and it's his journey, and I'm going to do everything I can to support him. Um, in whatever way as a teammate and as a human and you know there's some things that he's got to take care of and continue to you know improve on and and I think we all do in some ways and 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 I know it's it's been a tough time for him because um yeah you know he's made some mistakes but I think 
um, you know, we're all human. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really where I'm at kind of on that. Hey, Mike, uh, you, you've obviously been stretched out. I think you had six innings in your last minor league uh, start, and you had five, obviously, the other day. If you're called upon, you know, to get an out here in the eighth or ninth inning or seventh inning, is, is that a role that you also will fulfill here? I mean, what has Joe told you you're going to be utilized going forward from here on out? Um, yeah, that's kind of been the challenge. You know, we going into the year uh, just didn't really – well, for one, it was just got to get healthy, got to get right, and got to get built up. So, um, you know, my arm strength's there, and, and I think we're at that point. So going forward, yeah, I mean – going to try to learn on the you know continue to learn about what how to utilize me and I know this team might need me in different situations and obviously I want to start and I've I've always wanted to be a starter but um, you know I've had to take the last month to kind of reevaluate where I'm at mentally and and physically and and say you know what I got to be out there and I got to get people out no matter what situation you know and I can't always dictate my situation um, when I'm pitching um, but I just, you know, can and hope that there are outings and games like the the last time, and you know, and I know it's not realistic for that to happen over the course of the season as, as a reliever. But um, yeah, if I'm going to be asked to to get outs later in the game, then you know, I, I think that uh, if I'm throwing the ball the way I know I I can and I am right now, then then you know, I got a lot of confidence that I'm going to get them out. A lot of people ask me, Mike, sometimes how how teams are successful, why they're successful. What is the leadership like in those clubhouses? I try to answer the best I can because I don't get to see it. Even after all these years, I don't get to see all the interaction between the guys. But from the perspective of losing games, what do new players that come into the Cubs see about how the Cubs handle losses and how they move on from them? Uh, what What is the perspective there? Because I always think it's a, it's a key as to uh, – how 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 teams stay in the middle of uh, celebrating wins and uh, feeling bad about losses. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think that's such a big big thing because you know of how many times you are going to lose in this game. And, you know, even good teams are going to lose. You know, seventy or so times. Um, and I think we do such a great job, and some of our veteran guys and guys that have been here for the last few years, they just have a, a really understanding of, you know, how to kind of chalk games up of and forget about it. You know, ten, five, ten minutes go by, okay, you 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 kind of look back, and and then it's like, all right, well, you know, when's the next game? And you know, we we're you know playing some music and walking around, and you know, obviously you're not you have to balance that line of not accepting losing and, um, but also not dwelling on it. And I think that, yeah, they, some new guys that are coming to this team, I'm sure that they can recognize that and see, okay, that, so this, there's something here, you know, there's a reason why the Cubs have been good. And, and I think how we handle the losses is one of those reasons. Hey, Mike, uh, the, the overall pitching staff has gotten a, a lot of praise, and deservedly so, but a lot of that praise also has to go to Wilson Contreras, who's gotten a lot of love from all you guys. I'm just wondering if you could talk about his development over the last year or two at this juncture, how far he's come and where he currently is, because, I mean, obviously he's he's a big part of what you guys are doing on the mound as well. Yeah, I mean, can't say enough about that guy. I mean, I, mean, I remember when... He, when I got first traded over here and he had maybe a month in, in the big leagues and uh, 
it, it just everything was so emotional for him and you know his skill skill set was there it's just you know he sometimes would get in his own way and i think the last couple of years he's developed so much as a, you know from that side of the game and as a person and um it's translating into his catching ability and you know i you can just tell you know you see the progress and you know he's definitely one of the best in the game now and and that's it's cool to see and you know i've been his locker mate for for three, four years now, so uh, it's, it's definitely pretty cool to see him, you know, develop the way he has. What's been the Hadavi vibe as far as Tommy Hadavi coming in, being the new pitching coach? And uh, I know uh, Lester is still down in the bullpen. Uh, Lester Strode has done a great job for the team for a long time. How is that uh, pitching support system? You know, I know uh, Mike Borzello is so, certainly involved as well. Uh, is it is it constant? Is it the same? Uh, how is it? Uh, from year to year because you've had three different uh, pitching coaches along the way. Yeah, I think with the Tommy situation is a little unique because he's been here, you know, the whole time. And um, now we kind of just transitioned, you know, changed his role from uh, what he was to the pitching coach. And, uh, yeah, I think it's gone really well. And I think the, the communication that he's been emphasizing is, is key because I know it, it can be – hard sometimes and especially in the bullpen and you know that the communication is key and with Lester as well you know having him be here for as long as he has kind of that mainstay in the bullpen um, it just it allows players to just be a little bit more comfortable and which then kind of allows us to just go out there and, and perform and so I think yeah Tommy I obviously know Tommy really well I played with him in the minor league so it's, it's kind of Weird at first uh, having him as your pitching coach now, and um, but it's been great, and you know I think he's doing a great job, and and obviously with Borzello, um, you know I think Borzee is such a big underrated part of this team, and but I think he'd prefer it that way. So yeah, we got a good group of guys. One before we let you go, and David and I appreciate your time here on Inside the Clubhouse today, Mike. Um, the starting pitcher gets to choose the music of the day before everybody comes in. How often do you like it, and what's your genre of music that you enjoy the most? Um, yeah, that is true. And uh, I do like it because you kind of get a little different vibe um, every single day. You know, I know John's big on country. and uh, Old country, you know, yeah, old, old yeah, style. And yeah, and so, you know, it, like for me, I'd, I'd probably just go with like top hits of today. You know, I think something... Uh, on Pandora or something about top hits would be my, my pick. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, do you get that when you've been started? Do they come to you and say, Hey Mike, you're, you're starting now. You get to pick the music today. Yeah. And you know, the Kobe's going to do a good job and they'll kind of ask you, or if you, if you mention something to them, they, they're very accommodating. And I mean, obviously with the clubhouse we got here, it's pretty cool and it's big. So like sometimes you can't even find, you know, half your teammates because the clubhouse is so big. But, you know, you always kind of, if you forgot who's starting that day, you kind of go there and you might be able to hear some music and then you'll know. Yeah, I'm not so sure I'm trusting Danny and Otis to pick my music out. But, you know, you guys have a different relationship. Mike, thanks again for, for picking up the phone and joining David and myself on Inside the Clubhouse. Have a great day. We'll see you out at the ballpark. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Have All a right, good one. Thanks. thanks, Mike. Mike Montgomery, uh, you know, I... We walk in there sometimes, we go, oh, it's this music again. Or, you know, uh, to be honest, I'm not a big country music guy, except I'll make the exception for Johnny Cash, 
Willie Nelson, okay, but in general, not a big country music guy. It's funny that you you bring that up and brought that up with Mike because I remember one time they were playing reggae when uh, Kyle Hendricks was pitching, and I went to him, I think, after the game. I said, I didn't know you were into reggae, and he goes, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I go, well, I thought you guys picked the music, and he goes, eh, not always. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting. Now, I will also tell you, I was introduced to Pearl Jam. I did not know who Pearl Jam was initially until Kerry Wood would play it after, you know, each and every time he pitched. Big Pearl Jam fan, obviously. He's been up on stage with them, I think, on numerous occasions. So, you know, f- among so many other memories that I have with Kerry Wood, including the 20-strikeout game, is that he actually introduced me to Pearl Jam by listening to it all the time initially in, in the clubhouse. So it's really interesting. Most well, most starting pitchers do pick their music, but not universally. By the way, Eddie Vedder is a big fan of yours and has been following your work for the last 35 oh, years. Oh, your nose just grew. Wow. <laughs> uh, the bottom Sounded of the, good, though. Yeah, the, that's right. The bottom of the hour brought to you by Northwestern Football. Join Coach Fitz in the 17th-ranked Cats this fall at Ryan Field. Matchups include Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Season tickets on sale now at nusports.com. Also brought to you by getonboardil.org. If you're stuck in traffic right now, public transit could be a better choice. Make Make your voice heard at getonboardil.org. Tell your statewide elected officials to invest in transit, get there faster. Better funding means better rides. Bruce, we're going to take a quick break. We heard from Mike Montgomery. We got Lucas Giolito of the White Sox. He's coming up right. right after the top of the hour. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse. We'll be back right after this. 952, welcome back to Inside the Clubhouse. We got Lucas Giolito of the White Sox coming up in just a matter of moments. Bruce, we have today's Cubs lineup in. I'll read it very quickly. Jason Hayward. Attention, please. (laughs) Bad Piper. Uh, Jason Hayward leading off and playing right field. Chris Bryant back at third base today. Anthony Rizzo at first. Javier Baez at short. Wilson Contreras, who we talked about just moments ago with Mike Montgomery. He's, of course, behind the plate. Kyle Schwarber in left. David Bodie at second. Albert Elmora in center field. And Cole Hamels on the mound. It should be a good pitching matchup today, by the way. Yeah, Davies has been very good for the... Brewers as well. And, uh, you know, again, David, uh, Brewers, Cubs, or Cardinals, Cubs, what has more sizzle now? Oh, that's a good question, actually. We'll throw that out to the class. Um, For me, even though I know the long rivalry is with the Cardinals, I just think uh, the Brewers winning the division last year, and I think they're overall a better team, my opinion. So, for me, the sizzle is more with Milwaukee. Yeah, and there's a new swagger in Milwaukee, too. Uh, after coming on winning the last eight last year, winning the division, being a game short of going to the World Series, now um, you know being very hot to start this season, cold, and now in the throes of a seven-game winning, winning uh, streak as well, uh, they are a, they're a very formidable team. I... I I look forward to a great division race all the way here in the National League Central. And Bruce, you, can, you know, you and the fans or anybody can say what you want about Ryan Braun. And listen, a lot of it, of course, is justified. But you got to also admit that he has really hurt the Cubs at times. And he's had really a lot of success at Wrigley Field, including the home run yesterday. Um, 38 you know, lifetime against the Cubs. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he got off to a poor start, a little bit like Chris Bryant, but both of their numbers are very similar at this point. He's still a good baseball player. I mean, you just can't take that away from He's him. He's a clutch player. And, you know, he talks, when I've talked to him, and he talked again yesterday about the fact it's a full house, it's Cub Brewers. He likes it. He likes the moment. You know, you know having done steroids or not, you know, the guy 
has shown up. He's still a very good player, not a superstar anymore, but somebody that is still a very important bat in that lineup. All right. Well, speaking of important, we got Lucas Giolito, who's very important to the White Sox success, both now and down the road. And he's coming up very shortly. So let's take a quick break. You're listening to Inside Clubhouse. We'll be back right after this. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.